Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to the very first episode of a weekly wine review show I'm putting together. It doesn't even have a name yet, it's so new, but you know me, my name is Rafael. I'm a local sommelier here in San Diego. Um, and the idea here is to get some inexpensive wines that you would drink on a daily basis, something cheap, easy that you can buy at the supermarket. Um, and the idea is to try to walk you guys through how I would approach buying wines at the supermarket. Some of the things that are going through my head when I'm looking at these wines, uh, depending on what mood I'm in and what I'm looking for to hopefully enable you to make a better purchasing decision when you're walking around the supermarket, be able to go in there in and out. So um, we're gonna get right to it. We have some wines here that I wanna taste. I bought four wines to taste with you guys today. Uh, and I'm gonna tell you which ones I got. So I have two wines up front that for me would possibly fall into the lighter body category. So I have first wine right here, Famille Perrine. See if you can get in there. It is, this is a twist off, so it's nice and easy. Try not to spill on my desk here. All right, this wine is a Cote de Rhone. So this is one of my go-to wines whenever I'm trying to get wine from the grocery store, right? Cote de Rhone is a region in the south of France in the Southern Rhone Valley, right? The Rhone Valley is divided into broadly into the north and the south. In the north, you're gonna find these Syrah-based wines. In the south, you're gonna find these Grenache-based blends or GSMs, what they like to call them also for Grenache, Syrah, and Mouvet. You see that a lot done domestically as well. Um, what I like about it is that the Grenache typically can be a lighter style of wine. It is a thin skin grape, and this is something to consider when you are shopping for your wines. Is this a thin skin grape, which is possibly gonna produce a lighter style of wine, or is it a thick skin grape, which is gonna produce a heavier style of wine? So thin skin grapes like Pinot Noir, Grenache-based wines, Sangiovese, which is the grape in Chianti, Nebbiolo, uh, what else am I thinking? You know, a couple wines like that, those are gonna, in theory, produce wines that are a little bit lighter in body. Thick skin grapes, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Syrah, Malbec, Petite Syrah, things like this will typically produce wines that are richer in body. So right there, you can go in two different directions depending on what you're in the mood for. Cote de Rhone typically will be very red fruit forward, a bit of a drier finish with some spicy notes to it, right? We're gonna see the idea here is to see how the wine holds up and if there's any typicity, what I'm gonna be tasting for in these wines is to see if there are traits that would represent what this wine should typically taste like. Now, sometimes finding typicity in, war, in wines excuse me, under $15 can be kind of hard because we can be dealing with wines that are a little bit more mass produced since they're being brought to you at such a low price point. Let's find out. Kind of muted on the nose. There is this really kind of nice bright red fruit coming out of it, out of the glass. Kind of leathery in tobacco, which I really like about these kind of wines from the south of France. Oh, so this wine has a lot of intense red fruit character to it. It does kind of have like a stewed and baked fruit component. And what I mean by that is like, if you look at the opposite end of the spectrum of stewed and baked, this would be kind of like dry and tart and maybe underripe. 
this has a lot of weight to it actually. So in the Cote de Rhone, they are allowed to blend up to, I believe now up to 18 different grapes. Normally you do see the Grenache Syrah Mouved um, coming up front, but again, Syrah and Mouved, they're thicker skinned grapes. So if there's a higher proportion of those, they can add more weight to the wine. This has a very long finish. This is a little bit weightier than I thought it was going to be. Sometimes Cote de Rhone's can be really light and dry and tart if it's a cooler vintage and it's more Grenache dominant potentially. This one has a little bit more weight on the palate, which I like. I am not opposed to this wine at all. It has a long, ripe and baked red fruit finish. definitely getting these baking spices. You're definitely getting a little bit of tobacco, dry cured meat component coming through, which is typical of the region. Uh, even though this is a larger appellation in this area, the Famille Perrine, it's a pretty good, pretty big company, but they have some really decent properties. They also own Chateau Beaucastel, which is one of the iconic producers um, from Chateau de Pop, which is very close to this region also. So, you know, it's a good producer making a pretty good wine. I like this wine a lot. It is a little bit richer. It's 14%, 14.1% alcohol. Let me get you the prices on these wines. All right, so this wine clocks in at $11.10 with my Vons card savings. Pretty good deal for a pretty good wine. Uh, we should probably come up with some ratings of some sort. I'm going to give this wine... Ooh, the very first rating. What's it going to be? I'm going to do an 80... For the price point, I'm going to do an 87 out of 100. 88 out of 100. This wine is pretty solid. I'm really happy with it for what it is. Just remember that it is a kind of a richer style for Cote de Rhone. Nothing wrong with that. It's going to go really well with a lot of great pasta dishes, maybe some good proteins. It'll stand up to it. A good burger, anything like this. Let's move on. So the second wine that I got was the Han Pinot Noir. This also clocks in at $11.10 at Vons. Um, by the way, I bought all of these wines at Vons here in Pacific Beach. Um, so if you like any of them, you can go buy them over there. Uh, so this is uh, Pinot Noir from Monterey County, right? So again, this wine was in a section of Pinot Noir that had some sort of description that said light and delicate fruity styles of red wine, something like that. I forget the exact description. I have a picture. Maybe I'll, I'll plug it in right here. Boom. Um, which can be tricky again right because some of the wines that were in that section for pinot noir i know i've had them before they are big juicy pretty massive styles of pinot right so you can again there's a bigger spectrum even though we were talking about thin skinned grapes for pinot you can have a pinot noir especially from monterey county which is the lettuce capital of the world everything grows here especially when you get a little bit more inland, there's a very warm climate. These grapes get super ripe. They get higher in alcohol. They get richer in body. So you're not necessarily always going to get a lighter style of Pinot. So it's good to know these things when you're going out to, you know, consider what wine you're going for. Because even within the realm of Pinot Noir, you can have very light and dry and tar, or you can have something that's potentially a little bit richer. I am expecting this wine. It's clocking at 14.5% alcohol. It is in Monterey County, which is just north of Paso. Pretty hot up there. It does have a maritime, um, you know, it has this cooling influence from the Pacific Ocean right next door, but I'm still expecting it to be pretty rich and juicy and over the top. 
Let's see what we get from this wine. Let's see if I'm wrong. You know, it's cool that again, when you're looking at, this is pretty dark for Pinot. Sometimes when you are dealing with the thin skin grape, you can kind of see through it. If you're able to read through the wine, you're dealing with a thin skin grape. Uh, beautiful color. Much riper fruit on the nose compared to this Grenache based blend, the Cote de Rhone. Getting really, really overripe, almost kind of like overripe. This is like a Twizzler component, red vine, overripe strawberry and raspberry, raspberry jam. I mean, it's very, very fruit dominant on the nose. Let's see what's up on the palate. Yeah, this wine is um, this wine is incredibly fruit forward. It is driven by ripe raspberry, raspberry jam, strawberry. I mean, I don't even want to go in any direction. It's like raspberry and <coughs> Ooh, maybe I'm allergic to it. <clears throat> I mean, I can't see anything else but like this really ripe red fruit component. When I'm tasting through red wines, there's three styles of fruit that stick out to me. Red fruit, blue fruit, black fruit. Red fruit, there's a, I feel like a bigger spectrum, right? You have strawberries, raspberries, pomegranates, black cherries, rhubarb, things like this that come through. Um, blue fruit, I mean, we're pretty much talking about blueberries. Black fruit, you're talking about blackberries, black, black currant for the most part, right? And then there's a condition of fruit that's applied also. This, it, you know, you can think of it like as riper tart. This is definitely on the riper side. It is, in my opinion, a very one-dimensional wine. There's nothing wrong with that. It is fruit-driven. There aren't a lot of secondary components, what I refer to as, is there anything else coming f through in the notes of like floral notes or spices or leather or tar or anything like this? Not really. Then again, it's not supposed to. Typically from, you know, Central Coast Pinot Noir, you're going for fruit dominant wines. That is the typicity of the region. Um, you're not supposed to have a big earthy or any type of earth component in your red wine like you might get in Burgundy or other parts of you know France or other parts of the world for that matter. That is the typicity of this wine. So pretty good, not my style to be honest. I like to find wines that can deliver a little bit of everything. I don't like, so this wine is very fruit forward to me. It is dominant by fruit. No problem with that, but I think a great wine it's something that has a little bit of everything. You can get a little bit of spices, you get a little bit of tannin, you get a little bit of maybe, maybe you get a little bit of earth, even if it's a little bit, something that comes through, right? It's not all one thing because that's not really enjoyable, right? If you have a wine that's say, for example, incredibly tannic with nothing to balance it, all tannin in the wine, that's not a lot of fun either. If it's all earth in the wine, you're getting a mouthful of freaking mud or barnyard, you know, flavors. You don't want that either. It's all about a little bit of balance in the wine. Um, and this is very, very fruit forward, but almost in a one dimensional way. If you love fruity styles of red, this is for you. This is not for me. Nothing wrong with the wine. I just think that the fruit is a little uncharacteristically unbalanced. I'm going to give that an 82 out of a hundred. Um, 
Again, nothing wrong for me, just not my style. So we're getting into two styles of richer wines. And again, just to go back to these, I thought these were gonna be, these are in the lighter category, right? With a Cote de Rhone, it was richer and we thought, Pinot Noir, I mean, this is, again, what was this, 14.5? That is high alcohol for Pinot Noir. It is pretty rich and fruity for $11.10. Can't be mad at it. All right, we're going into the J. Loire Cabernet. So this is out of Paso Robles, just south of Monterey County, where we just were. J. Loire, I remember I attended a trip to Paso Robles. It was a Paso cab camp. Um, where we got to visit and meet a bunch of different wineries of the region. A lot of really cool people there doing some really cool things. J. Loire, I remember them being exceptional in their hospitality. And I remember, you know, their story is that they, they kind of paved the way for a lot of Paso Robles wineries to come through. And I just remember a lot of the other winemakers and, um, you know, winery personnel that were around during this kind of little conference, you can call it, that looked up to the winemaker of J. Laura. I, I remember that there was a, a very high level of respect that was given to these guys um, as pioneers that they are. So I saw the wine, it stood out. I remember when I tasted through so many Paso Robles Cabernets and wines, I remember them liking them a lot. Um, you know, to be honest, so when I'm looking through these wines on the shelf, I see J. Laura. It's a name that's been on the supermarket for on the supermarket shelves for a very long time, as far as I can remember, you know, trying to buy wine in the supermarket. Um, a lot of other wine buyers or, you know, people in our industry might kind of, you know, look the other way when they're seeing that because they're like, oh, that's a very popular wine. It's always been on the supermarket. We want to find something a little bit more funky, a little bit more cool. I'm trying not to do that as much. If it's a great wine, we should embrace it for what it is. So, J. Loire, Seven Oaks, Cabernet Sauvignon. This is all the state vineyards. Relatively small area of production for the for the for how large the Paso Robles AVA is. This has a really beautiful nose to it, so you get a lot of red and black creamy fruit on it. I mean, it almost reminds me of um, of Zinfandel sometimes when you get uh, this kind of peach yogurty component on the nose. Very floral, a lot of red roses on it. Uh, balanced out with like a, um, I don't know, it sounds like a, it smells almost like a baked cherry pie with some black currants, some blackberries in the background, vanilla spice, which normally is an indicator of some oak. These guys, I know it's only 82% Cabernet Sauvignon, so they're allowed to blend in a little bit of grapes. I know they put some Petite Syrah and Syrah into this wine, which should add a little bit of structure and complexity to the wine. Beautiful nose. Let's see what it's like on the palate. Yeah, that's a great wine. I'm getting, um, you know, the reason I talk about the nose first, so obviously I want to kind of assess the wine and then kind of go into the palate is I like to see if things change by the time I went through the wine first on the nose, see if there's something very distinct when I actually taste it. And this is pretty, uh, pretty consistent. I'm getting that same kind of ripe, creamy red and black fruit components that come through in this wine. There is definitely some spices on the back end. There's, there's this kind of vanilla spice that comes through, almost like a baking spice, almost like a fresh baked pie out of the oven that comes along with this, which I like because it's in balance. There's almost like a chocolatey espresso note to the wine as well. 
the tannin structures are the tannin structure is definitely there Whew, yeah can't even talk with it but it is in check it's balanced with the wine um it's a very juicy style of wine too. For Cabernet, sometimes it can be very dense and, and, and rich and kind of coat your own mouthfeel. This is kind of a fun Cabernet. It's pretty lively. Uh, what do we have here? It's, um, I wouldn't say that the alcohol is too high. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it's 14%. So it's actually a lower ABV than the two wines that we just tasted. Even though it's a thicker skin grape and it's a more durable grape, which should produce a thicker wine, it's actually lower ABV uh, from a pretty warm climate too. So that's something to consider. That's nice. And again, for an everyday wine that we're looking for, that is a great Cabernet, clocking in at $14.43. So I'm trying to buy wines all under 15 bucks. That's coming in, um, that's coming in pretty nice. I like that a lot. Definitely fruit driven, right? It doesn't have a super dry finish. It's a lot of fruit on the nose, a lot of fruit on the finish with some balanced tannin, some vanilla and some ripeness, super lively. I like it a lot. That's a good wine. Um, I'm going to give that a, God, I, uh, I don't know if I should be doing ratings like this because this is my first one and I don't know how the hell to give a wine rating, but if I'm going to score something out of 100, I'm going to say that 90 plus points is going to be a wine that really something serious to consider. Um, you know, 80 to 90 or 85 to 90, pretty cool wine that tastes well. It's fair for the price. 80 to 85, not my favorite, might not buy it again. And under 80 a wine that I would never buy again. And probably I'll adjust those ratings, but I think that's a fair place to start. This one, I'm gonna give it a, um, an 87. I like this wine a lot for what it is, not bad. A little on the lighter side for me, honestly, for Cabernet, because I, when I am getting Cabernet, I am looking for something that has a little bit more body and structure, especially if, if it is something from Paso Robles, right? This is what we expect, a richer, denser style of Cabernet Sauvignon from a warm climate. If I were buying Cabernet from South Africa or Cabernet from Bordeaux or Cabernet from Argentina or Chile, I would have a different expectation of that wine. Um, and we can talk about that later when we get into those wines. But from Paso Robles, Cabernet Sauvignon, I'm kind of expecting something a little bit richer. Just a thought, nothing right or wrong about that. All right, this guy, Chronic Cellars. So... This is two brothers who run it, the Beckett brothers. They have these really cool, really cool labels. Let me see if I can get that up there for you guys. Maybe I'll do a little zoom in on that. Um, this one is a little lady skeleton, blondie, who's laying back and enjoying a glass of wine. Their whole lineup has these really creative um, labels to go with their wines. There's a little skull here on the top of this cork too, which is kind of cool. This is 89% Petite Syrah with 11% Syrah. 2018, also out of Paso Robles. This wine is clocking in at $12.21. It is called Sweet Petite is the name of the label. S-U-I-T-E-P-E-T-I-T-E. -E -E. Sweet Petite, right? I'm a little worried in my mind that this wine is gonna be so overripe with fruit because it's coming from, again, a very warm climate, which is Paso Robles. Petite Syrah can get very, very intense. It's a smaller berry comparable to Syrah, but it has a thicker skin, so you're gonna get more tannin structure out of it. You're gonna get a denser style of wine, a ton of flavor and aromatics. 
but sometimes that can very easily go over the top and turn into this wine that is basically sweet on the palate. So sweet petite, I mean, the name kind of says it all. I was super curious, have a given, I'd had to give it a go to see what we're dealing with here. Pouring it into the glass, this wine is opaque. It is dark. Super dark. I definitely cannot read through it. It is a very dark, opaque liquid. Man, I mean, this just smells like dense, dark juice. Kind of needs to open up a little bit. I feel like it's a little muted. Could have decanted this for sure. Let's go ahead and take a sneak peek at the alcohol. 14.8% alcohol. So I'm expecting this to be rich, super dark in the glass. Super like blackberry, not even jam. There's just like a density to this that I'm almost, can't even get into it. All right, let's try it out. Let's see what's going on here. Holy crap, that is a intense red wine. But you know what? I'm not mad at it if that's the style that you're going for. So it's not a sweet red wine. I can see how this would be perceived for some people as being sweet because the fruit is very much in your face. But I like that there is a ton of backbone to this wine. What do I mean by that? So there is an explosion of ripe, blackberry fruit, very dense on the palate. It coats your whole tongue. That's what I mean when I say palate, kind of just coats your whole mouth. So a high viscosity, right? If water is low viscosity, oil is high viscosity. This is just all over the place. Um, the ripeness of fruit, borderline AKA sweetness, not always the same thing, but just that perception of sweetness. I normally get on the front of my tongue I get it a lot, but the structure and balance of the wine just coats on the back end of the palate, which I like. There's balance to the wine, right? I think it ultimately finishes a dry wine. I'd have to do some, I'd have to look up to see if there's actually any residual sugar here, but um, that's a pretty good wine. If you're looking for a high octane, big, rich, dense, style of red wine i mean this is the way to go this is perfect with like some uh, incredibly rich steak with a rich preparation um you know maybe a richer style of bolognese if we're thinking pasta any type of very rich protein anything smoky if you're doing any kind of wings or any barbecue or anything off of the grill this would crush it with that a hundred percent um for twelve dollars and 21 cents if I was in the mood for a big, rich red wine, I mean, I'm stoked on this wine. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's over the top for sure, but I think in a good way. It's in a, in a fun way and it hits the mark. I mean, if you're looking for Petite Syrah at a good price point from Paso, again, what's typicity? Petite Syrah, it's gonna be an intense grape already producing an intense wine. From Paso, which is a warm climate, it's a warm wine producing region, blended with a touch of Syrah. I mean, this is what you're going for. This is what you want. Intense blackberry juice, blackberry jam, touch of blueberry in there, smoked meat. There's almost like a gravelly earthiness to it, which I really like. 
There's a touch of tobacco on the back end, definitely a little chocolatey espresso note on the back too. The tannin structure is elevated, but balanced with the fruit. That's a badass wine. I am not mad at that wine at all. I would totally drink that again. Um, I'm gonna give that a 90 on my little rating system. I am very happy with that wine. All right, guys, that is the show. These are the four wines. Again, I have bought these all at Vaughn's here in Pacific Beach, so you can find them there. I'm sure you can find these, these wines in several other places. Um, if you have any questions on any of these guys, feel free to shoot me a DM. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about the first episode that we just finished. Um, I'm going to be doing these on a weekly basis, so I can't wait to do more of these. Thanks for stopping by, you guys. Make sure to follow me on Hospitality TV on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, we're going to be putting up all these little reviews up there. Thanks for your time. Take care.